From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 766, the evolution of your IT career with guest Michael Levin. Recorded Wednesday, February 10th, 2021. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Bringing back today, my friend Michael Levin, who's the CTO and senior partner at cloudskills.io, a cloud and DevOps enablement consulting firm where he spends his time creating real-world-based content and consulting for customers around the globe. Welcome back, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Hope hey. uh, hope you've been doing well. Uh, you know, it's always a challenge. Uh, I'm enjoying being home more than I realized. You know, and I, and I really question, I used to say this joke for years, that I've been jet lagged since 2001, right? <laughs> May it not have been a joke right. because after being home for a few months, my, my Fitbit sleep quality jumped up like 15, 20%. And when I looked at those numbers and I realized how I felt, I'm like, uh-oh, like there's something you may not be willing to give up when the world goes back to to it, some of its old ways when I can travel again. Uh, and I now am aware of how well you can sleep. I don't know that I'm going to be able to tolerate not sleeping that well anymore. So, yeah, we're not back to real normal life yet, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what normal life will ultimately look like. I know. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the same boat. You know, I've been working from home for, I guess, over a year now, mm-hmm. and I will continue to be working from home even after things are done. But of course, you know, once the world goes back to normal, I'll definitely be doing some more traveling and stuff like that. And, you know, I think it's, um, picking the battles almost, you know, definitely, definitely not traveling as much as I used to, but you know, the traveling still has to occur. It just depends on when. <laughs> yeah. The kind of work you're doing and so forth. Yeah, I, I don't know that we know. And I, and I don't worry too much about stuff I can't know yet. It will be resolved in due time. That, <laughs> there you go. That time has not arrived. <laughs> uh, I love the CTO in the title. That's new. What changed for you? I know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been, it's been quite a change over the past year since we last spoke. You know, when, when we last spoke, I kind of just started to go out on my own and mm-hmm. kind of figure things out, you know, do my own thing, all that good stuff. And the year has, uh, it, it was pretty crazy. Anything from blog posts to speaking at conferences, creating content, consulting, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, and then very recently in January, I was trying to figure out which direction to go in again. Uh, you know, I spoke to my good friend, Mike Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. who is the CEO and founder of Cloud Skills. And, you know, we got to talking and I'm like, hey, you know, what do you think about having a partner? What, what do you think about that? You know, split it 50-50. And he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, he's like, Let's do it. So, you know, at that point, we got into business together and then we started our own cloud skills together. So uh, that's where the CTO and senior partner title come into play. Interesting. Yeah. So you you did everyone's dream. I mean, I can't tell you how many folks (laughs) I talk to who's like, you know, I like my work, but I'd love to do it on my own and, you know, be my own boss, that kind of thing. You do that. And then it's not like you stop doing that, but you you decide you need an equal partner. That's a big difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think honestly, at the end of the day, when you're working by yourself for yourself, all that good stuff, it's really, really cool. But 
the thing that ends up happening is you don't have anybody to share ideas with. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have that like mindedness. You don't have anybody to troubleshoot with, bounce ideas off of all that stuff. So, you know, it, it was a long time coming where I was like, I'd really like to go into business with somebody because I think it makes things way more fun and way more interesting, you know, and there's two different sides to it. So if you're going to run a company, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something that you could do by yourself. But as you know, you know, every single company out there, maybe it starts out with one person, but obviously it grows and there's more C-level people and all that stuff. So it's, I think it's something that happens to almost every company. Sure. But for me, you know, it was uh, definitely something that I needed. That's for sure. Well, it's always the question, like, how do you take a vacation? I know. (laughs) How do you take a week away if you've got customers depending on you? Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, I like to focus on something that I call key avenues. So Mm -hmm. I focus on three key avenues at a time. Um, I don't overburden myself. You know, I don't work 80 hours a week. I don't work 60 hours a week. I work, you know, the typical 35, 40, to be honest with you, because of those key avenues of focus. So, you know, to to give you an example, right now I'm creating a ton of boot camps. So we're doing a cloud native DevOps boot camp. We're doing an AWS solutions architect boot camp, doing a bunch of stuff. And then I'm also focusing on project focus courses. and then I'm also focused on writing. So like right. those are really my key avenues. And then, you know, maybe later on the later down the road, we'll focus on more consulting and this and that and the next thing. So what I do to not overburden myself and to be able to take those vacations is to not focus on a million and one things. Yeah. Don't, don't take on too many things. I, I, but I think it's an ongoing challenge for every IT person is, you know, is. again, how do you take a vacation? Like How do you s- set up your, uh, the organization, whether you own it or work in it? doesn't matter so that things can function without you exactly yeah no it's uh it's very hard for anybody that's at help desk at a senior engineer title somebody running their own company Mm -hmm. this is it's it's a very difficult thing you know i mean really at the end of the day you want to be able to work in a company and you want to be able to have a company that you could disappear for a month and and things keep moving right yeah (laughs) i mean you at the same time you want to have made enough contribution that you're, you're missed but not exactly. that things grind to a halt and your inbox fills up and the place is on fire when you get back. Say, hey, hope you yep. had a restful week. Now you get three months of hell to clean up the mess for that <laughs> week off. I know. Yeah, it is very, very true. And, you know, for me, I would say the biggest thing that really helped that, honestly, was having those three key avenues of focus or two key avenues of focus. That way I'm not taking on, you know, too much at once because what ends up happening is, you know, let's say you're doing 10 different things. Yeah. Well, you know, you go on vacation and then you got to come back and you got five or six more things that you have to do when everything's on fire versus, you know, if you really focus solely 100% on a few different things, it's much easier to step away. You know, for, to give you an example, recording a bunch of labs and stuff for the boot camps that we, that we have going on. So really, you know, once those labs are complete, that key avenue of focus is done. I could take a few days off if I right. wanted to, for example, you know, so I, I don't take in or take on much. another thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's like a common thing, especially when people are starting companies and stuff like that, where they're trying to take on so much and, you know, because they got to make money, right? Sure. That's the whole thing. Everybody's got to make money. Well, and the dishes need to be done, right? Like, I also I think there's a lot yeah. of, you know, whether you're an independent or you're the only IT in the organization, like you don't get to not do things like there's stuff that needs right. to be cared for. Exactly. I I certainly have subscribed to the idea of don't do too many of them in a given day. Yep, yep. Like I, I find the context switching is the beating. 
Uh, yeah, it really is. When I was the one man band for an, for a shop, and this is a disturbing number of years ago now, <laughs> I it's like I didn't want to do security all the time. It made me crazy. There wasn't that much to do, but the security mindset was a particular mindset, and so it's like one day a month I put on my tinfoil hat. It's like, I'm yeah. security guy today. If you've got questions about file storage or something, like, I'm going to do that tomorrow. You can wait. But, yep. you know, sort of focusing on one subject for the day made you do it better and actually get some stuff done. It's really easy yep. to stay in the pounding surf, isn't it? To just keep taking help test tickets, to deep, just work on the fire all the time and never, ever get to these maintenance things. Yep. You know what? It really is. It's, I feel like that's every, like everywhere that you go as an engineer, if you're working for a large company, if you're working for a small company, you're constantly, you constantly feel like you're putting out, you know, fires. You constantly feel like you're doing a million and one things. And that's actually one of the things that I really like about being on my own and being my own boss and stuff like that is the fact that um, I'm able to focus on what I want to focus on. Right. So um, I don't know if you have any interest in like cognitive science or, uh, uh, cognitive psychology or anything like that but there's dude i'm interested in everything i've harnessed my <laughs> add for the forces of good right like that's me there you go there you go so there's uh there's this concept called the deep work and there's actually mm -hmm. a really good book out there by cal newport and really what it is is you know you you set out all distractions you know you're not looking at email every five seconds twitter your phone all that stuff and it's really hard to do that right like it's really hard to sit there for three hours and just focus on the one thing that you want to focus on yeah luckily when you're running a company, you get to do that because you're your own boss. We have a, so, bit, a bit more control. You also have a lot of forces exactly. acting on you, too. It's very true. Yeah. And that's instead of an angry boss, you have an angry customer. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I agree 100%. And that's where, you know, a lot of scheduling comes into play. So I literally schedule out my entire day from like 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. Nice. Um, everything that I'm doing, what I'm like, I literally schedule out like, okay, 30 minutes here to check your email, 30 minutes here to check Twitter, stuff like that. That way I can stay in deep work. And I'm also, you know, answering people's emails and I'm answering people's slacks and all that good stuff. So I think that there's definitely like that fine balance for sure. sure. I, I do like the using your schedule to encourage you to do good things. Like I've, I've made yep. the point in talks before to say it's the only thing on your calendar, what other people want you to do. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And taking out the garbage, right? I mean, that's what's yep. on you <laughs> as opposed to things you want to do. I will not get cycles for working on this book if I don't block chunks out of my schedule to work on it. Sure. Yeah. And you have to. So, and I don't want to just encourage folks to just do, to focus on, they want to work for themselves. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's a very different lifestyle. Like you, you still have to do all the other things. You're still going to spend time with accountants and lawyers and bankers and like all of the stuff of operating a business. If you, oh yeah. Whereas if, if you know, the, uh, when it's your own business, you're responsible for all those things. When you're in a larger organization, you get to take off a narrower piece. Sure. Yeah. And that's why like we do, uh, we do hire out for things like that. So sure. for example, you know, we have a virtual CFO that we meet with once a month and he does our books at the end of the year and all that stuff. So really it's actually funny that you bring that up because we're very much in this stage right now of figuring out like what we should start outsourcing. A perfect example, we have a, an executive assistant starting next week that's going to you know help us with our scheduling and our calendars and and you know communication and all that good stuff so it's definitely one of those things where you kind of got to do all of it in the beginning yeah but you know as you start making money and stuff like that you know you're able to start hiring people for those 
for those uh, specific tasks. Yeah, you're able to fig figure out you know where to pawn that different pieces of work off to. And it, it, there's also a hypocrisy element in here. You are a professional being hired to do a particular set of tasks for an organization. You're encouraging organizations to use you for those professional skills. You should probably be using other professionals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I absolutely agree. You know, it's like uh, if my toilet breaks, I'm going to call a plumber because yeah. I'm not a plumber. Same thing with a virtual CFO. <laughs> it doesn't matter if there's YouTube, right? <laughs> Get a plumber. But yep, but it's yep. also a mindset of there's an advantage to using professionals. Yes, you're trading money for time and expertise. That's why yep, exactly. it's why we have a business and, and it's why uh, you, you use those professionals uh, at the same time. And I think it's very interesting when you're working in an organization uh, where you're tempted to try and do everything. Like, even as an employee, right? Often you have folks, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening, looks like I am the IT guy. And so I am expected to do all the things. But I'm sure there's pieces of this work that could be carved off. It was like, you know what? We're better off contracting this piece out, right? Like you, you don't have to be good at everything. You get a security audit for two reasons. One is that's its own job. Right. Like that's a hard job to do. And and it's also automatically more credible when someone's paid to do it versus you figuring it out yourself. Like it'll actually save you grief in exchange for money. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think a really good example of that is, you know, a lot of large organizations will outsource their help desk and stuff to like managed service providers or right. MSPs and stuff. And then that way, you know, their IT people internally, their engineers, they're focused more on, you know, the projects and maintenance and all that stuff. Whereas, you know, all of the calls and the, you know, the tickets and stuff are all going to that company that you're paying. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely there. That's for sure. Definitely scraping off tier one, Right. Yep. The, did you turn turn it off and on again, like that kind of support so that folks that are more experienced in the domain and with the stack are only dealing with tier two, tier three problems? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Although that, that's hip to do bots for that these days. I don't know how well that <laughs> works, but certainly it's very cool. It's like, no, no, chat with the thing. Maybe it can tell you to turn it off and on. Yep. Yep. And there's like different like, uh, you know, auto responses and stuff like I, I remember this was years ago. I, I'm pretty sure it was Jira where we were looking at some, you know, auto responses and stuff like that. And it's like if you get some sort of issue that says something like this with this keyword in it and it'll wildcard search it, and then it automatically responds like, did you try restarting? Did you update stuff like that? Right. So, yeah, those options are definitely there as well. Yeah. Now, it, it, again, it's interesting to work on the system right? as a as an effective IT person to not just do the work. It's easier to just plow the tickets or work the crisis as opposed to improving the system so that you end up with more time. Yep, absolutely. Definitely agree with you there. Yeah, okay. put it, put out all those fires. I almost wonder if the crisis thing is addictive. <laughs> I, you know what I think it is? You know, our minds, when we're really busy and we're like doing a million and one things at once, our minds are saying to ourselves, yeah, we're busy. Yeah. You know, but it's busy work. It's not that we're quote, busy. It's just busy work because we're running around, we're putting out fires, we're doing all that stuff. But then, you know, you got to really think to yourself, like, is the work that I'm doing right now meaningful? Right. Or is it something that I can push out to somebody else, outsource it, hire somebody else so I can focus on the key things that I need to focus on? Yeah, you have to think more, right? Like that's yeah, exactly. the, the nice <laughs> thing about being in the pounding surface continuous crisis. Like I'm clearly working on the right thing. It's the thing that's got the building on fire right now. And I put in a full day of work. Like I think that's the addiction. I don't have to think. I just 
act on these problems as opposed to the yep. far more contemplative, how do I get out of this crisis? That sort of getting into prevention and, and pre preparation so that the crisis never happens in the first place. Yeah, I think uh, putting out the fire and not thinking about, you know, hey, how can I get away from this crisis? It's easier at the time. But then you put out fires for five years and you realize, wow, I'm really burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. I really don't like my work. And Michael, I'm going to interrupt happen. for one moment for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Two Weeks Ready helps individuals, families, and communities prepare for disasters using smartphones. HDBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. Your donations help support the creation of this life-saving software. Thanks. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Michael Levin. And I'm I don't know what show we're doing today, friend. This is a little <laughs> bit of sharing stories, but I also think it's how we grow as IT people too that, yep. you know, I think we come into this business. Uh, we love machines. We like the technology. We, and and always with a little bit of I'm interested in helping people. Like you feel good when you can make something work that folks struggle with. Help desk is a great starting point of all that. I think it's the ultimate training ground on the technical side of most businesses. Like I've seen lots of large companies where their help department is the recruiting department for elsewhere in the company. You put a year into help desk, you know a lot about the customer and a lot about the product. You're valuable elsewhere in the organization. And, and it seems to be good, good help desk fo uh, facilities. They realize they're going to be a training firm. They're always bringing new people in and building them up and they've, uh, automate that pipeline because it feeds great people into the organization as a whole. But yeah, and some people love help desk. Again, it's like it's one. It's a it's very ADD. It's one little problem at a time, and you have a you have many wins over the course of the day. Yeah, you're going to take the occasional beating from the freaking out person, like that that happens too. And if you can let that roll off you, it's like you helped a bunch of people today. This far more contemplative job of how do we make our systems more secure. Uh, are, you know, the data more accessible. They, you know, serve the, the company better. Those are harder problems to figure out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think that starting at help desk is like, you know, I think it's pretty standard. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, when people come out of school with like computer science degrees and stuff like that, that aren't really sure if they want to be full-time developers, what they actually want to be doing, you know, they're starting at a help desk as well. And then sure. figuring out like which direction you want to go in. I mean, I think that really comes through like interest and passion, you know, like what yeah. do you actually like doing? I mean, you can't be passionate when you first get into IT because like you have no idea what's happening. Sure. But as you go through and, you know, you get promotions and you work on this tool and that platform and that cloud, then you can kind of start to figure out, you know, what you really enjoy. I mean, for me, for example, I may have a CTO title, but I'm still writing code every day sure. and I will continue to still write, write code every day, you know, regardless of how large the organization gets, regardless of what happens. I I'm an engineer, you know what I mean? I always want to be an engineer. Yeah. I always want to be hands-on because that's what I love doing. So depending on, you know, after that help desk role, where people want to go, you know, that's, 
that's going to really be up to like what they're interested in, what they've read, what sticks out to them. Oh, that looks really cool. Let's give that cloud thing in Azure a try. Yeah. Or, or just that, you know, where did you feel best most in the groove where, you know, building out a new yep. set of tooling for an organization or, you know, improving your ability to reach folks. I, it's funny how much, especially in IT, we have both these technical skills and the people skills of dealing with folks that are struggling with technology. Uh, and and you, I think you've got to find, well, you know, what do you enjoy more? Yeah, no. And, and that's the thing that it was funny. Like, I remember being in help desk. <laughs> there, there was days where it wasn't fun, of course. Uh, but, you know, the one thing that I always liked is like, I always loved talking to people and helping mm-hmm. people. I just enjoyed that. And I think that's, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing now, why I'm, you know, writing books, doing blogs, creating courses, doing boot camps, because it's like, I love helping people. I love, you know, I enjoy all that stuff. And that, that, uh, that just stuck with me throughout my entire career. Where do you think the teaching element comes into play? Like, does I, my, I've certainly had the experience of if I'm going to teach this, I have to learn it better than just implementing it. Sure. So it's actually funny. I, I, you know, I've been doing courses and stuff for a while and I felt that way originally. I was like, I can't do something on a piece of software or a product or a programming language unless I'm an expert at it because then who's going to listen to me type of thing. But the one thing that I found was like, you know, if I'm learning a new programming language and I'm showing it off on YouTube or on a course or something like that, you know, I've already learned other programming languages so I can Mm -hmm. catch up pretty quickly and then jump in. Same thing with other clouds, other platforms, stuff like that. And quickly, what you start to realize is when you're first learning something, is the perfect time to teach it. And yeah. here's why. Let's say you're doing, you're working with the same technology for five years and then you go and you try to create some beginner courses or something like that. You're going to forget all of those beginner hurdles. You're going to skim over them right. and everybody's going to be very confused. But if you teach something right when, you know, you learn it, you remember all of those hurdles. You're going to teach everybody those hurdles and it's going to make the course or the book or the blog much, much better. Also, products iterate so rapidly now. I don't know that you can ever really, like that sense that you're never an expert in anything. I think that's the normal state of being. <laughs> Just because you, the product doesn't sit still long enough. Like, I think you can do that tutorial for learning how to do something every couple of years because the products are iterating so rapidly. I just don't know that the same person could do it each time because you've done it before. So you, you're right. You have embedded expertise now that's going to, you're, you're really not a beginner. Although teaching the person who's been through it once and now needs to know the differences, that's also a useful piece of training too. It's like, Yep. Hey, you've been doing it this way. Here's the new way. Here's the things I ran into figuring how to do this. You know, I'll save you some pain. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's actually funny that you said that because I had this conversation recently of like, you know, should you be an expert in something or should you just be like, you know, a a generalist, like know a little bit of everything. And it's funny because 10 years ago, when you thought about like, you know, a specialist, right, it would be the AD guy or gal, the exchange guy or gal, you know, they were specializing in that the dba but now yeah. exactly the dba but now it it's almost like what a generalist used to be is now the new specialization because like you said there's something new coming out every week you know the thousands of services in aws and then you got azure and then you got gcp and then yeah. you have you know the thousands of things you can do in kubernetes and containerization and it's it's crazy like how do you master something? I mean, you could master it, but by the time you master it, it's going to be gone and there's going to be something new coming in again. So <laughs> what do you do? Although, they, I mean, there's still, 
overall concepts that aren't going away. Our organization is yep. taking data. That data needs to be con- brought in in an effective way. It needs to be protected. It needs to be backed up. It needs to be utilized appropriately, right? The governance rules, like all of those things matter. So there are some macro concepts that are consistent, but you know, I've been pressing against DBAs to say like, don't tie yourself to a product. Yep. Uh, you know, SQL Server is awesome. I'm not saying SQL Server is going anywhere, but you're more than that. You know, right. you're you're a data governance professional. You you care about protecting data in an organization. Why wouldn't you why would you care what format it's in? Take care of the data. Yeah, no, exactly. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the core concepts of everything don't ever change. You know, a virtual network is just a network. Security groups and AWS are just firewall rules. Yeah. You know, it, instances are just virtual machines um but you know same thing with with dbas and stuff as well maybe you're not going to be deploying as many you know sql boxes and stuff on prem but now maybe you're using rds and aws or azure sql and mm-hmm. azure you know what i mean so those core concepts everything that you learned you still have to know you just have to switch it around a little bit yeah organize differently and and definitely on, on a learning path Yep. I, I do I do think we had a window there for certain industries and SQL I would certainly point at where, you know, that the hallowed high end server in a back room when people white lab coats on, you there was a good ten plus years of that could be a job. Yep, absolutely. We're 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 in a disruption of it right now. The core principles are still the same. But there's still some hello jobs out there. Oh yeah. Uh, for now. They just you know, a lot of things are being disrupted. The pandemic did not help. No, it didn't. We shook up a it lot didn't. of stuff, for better or worse. I, I remember I was reading that I think from 2018 to 2019 that, you know, cloud services overall, uh, the overall spend literally went up like close to $100 billion. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> because everybody was going to the cloud. Yeah. And then in, then Satch's line uh, last year was, you know, two years of cloud migration happened in two months. <laughs> well, we, it, yep. I, it wasn't so much that we threw away the lists; we just reprioritized it. Right? There was there were things sitting down there in second and third tier that suddenly were first tier. Yeah, no, you know, that the little VPN project you did for the salespeople that was working for two hundred people. I needed to work for ten thousand now, please. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's very true. Well, and it's you know, the, and the other thing that's true is like no no IT org ever got to the bottom of that list. Ever, right. ever, 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 ever. Like it's not like we're running out of work to do, right? Yep. Yeah. There's uh, there's, there's that ever-ending list, and you know, like all that stuff was on the bottom. Like, hey, we really need to get a VPN in the cloud, and then mm-hmm. it was maybe fiftieth on the list. But as soon as you know, COVID happened, it yeah. went up to first or second on the list. <laughs> so. Well, and it's funny how many things down that list are more preventative maintenance, you know, getting better at, and so forth. So it's interesting to just think in terms of. You know, as we get more experience to get better at making sure we're knocking those maintenance items right out once in a while so that we do have fewer fires. Yep. You know, you're talking to, about the evolution of, a, of your career in IT. The leadership role is very interesting in terms of shepherding other people. Like you're still in a small org yourself, right? It's your company now, but yep. I mean, do you, are you concerned about the careers of others, I guess is the question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a team of like 20 plus authors or mm-hmm. trainers. We call them authors, you know, where they're creating blogs, they're doing uh, live boot camps, they're doing project focused courses, they're doing lo- uh, larger courses. So, yeah, I mean, it, 
everybody knows, you know, whenever somebody slacks me, I, you know, I always slack everybody back. I always ask everybody if they need any assistance. You know, I'm always creating these little tips and trick videos, you know, Hey, mm-hmm. here's how you can edit this thing with premiere. Hey, here's how you can use OBS to, you know, make your voice sound a little bit better with noise suppression, things like that. So I'm always, you know, looking to ensure that everybody's happy and everybody's successful. Yeah. Uh, we also, you know, we have a ton of authors that like they've never created a course before. We had one, you know, for example, that never created a course before and they just released their Terraform on AWS course. So it's like, you know, we're, we're taking people from start to finish, you know, so much. So we even have like a train the trainer boot camp coming up where we're literally going to be showing people how to become trainers. Yeah. So yeah, we, we definitely, uh, you know, that's a huge, huge portion of it that I mean, but I think the the other huge, huge, huge portion of it is, you know, the, the, the consumers, you know, the people that are signing up for mm-hmm. cloud skills. You know, we got to make sure that, like, you know, people are literally <laughs> giving us money to give them skills in yeah. the cloud and DevOps and stuff like that. So that and, and that's a huge responsibility. That's like, a, you know, yeah, we got to create the best content out there for everybody that's signing up, you know, and that's really the goal. It's very challenging to measure that, too, you know, to, yep. especially the, you know, we're not doing classroom stuff much anymore for various reasons. Uh, someone's consuming a video like did they actually watch it what have they learned from it you know how many times should you I do like the idea of being able to rewind and watch again and go over pieces and and do some exercises trying and work on your skills in some respects I like this all remote learning model because we got more bandwidth you're not trying to focus all that bandwidth into one room but we've also got big screens. So I got the video running on one screen and I'm actually playing with this in the other screen and going back and forth. Uh, I don't know that we've got the learning models nailed yet. No, you know what? I think that we're still very much like I think everybody in general is still very much early on what works. Um, I we try to do like a bunch of different stuff. So we do, you know, again the live boot camps where we're literally teaching it live. It's not a recording. We do recorded stuff. You know, we do podcast stuff. We do live streams. We do short project focus courses, longer courses. So it's you know I, I think that here's the thing. People enjoy different formats, Mm -hmm. you know, people enjoy reading more, people enjoy short courses more, people enjoy long courses more. So I think really the idea is, you know, there's not one size fits all. You kind of got to do a little bit of all of it to make sure that you're hitting every consumer that you can. And I do think it's certainly something I've encouraged folks in is like find the medium that you learn effectively in. Exactly. The the tricky for term being effectively, like I'm a very strong reader. I would argue my superpower all along has been that I'm a good, I prefer to read, I like to read, I read a lot. And so I tend to have a lot of stuff in my head just because I'm consuming so much material, um, even though I make a lot of podcasts. I don't listen to that many of them. Sure. Starting with all I ever hear is mistakes. It's the problem with making podcasts. Like You know what's <laughs> wrong with them all the time. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's different. We, you know, it's interesting to me as I'm learning new things, you know, challenging myself. I am using more video these days and watching the video and tinkering on another screen. So I definitely, you know, there's a meta of understand how you learn so that you can also and then appreciate that different people learn different ways so that when you teach, you can teach those different mediums as well. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm very much the same way. Like I really like reading, uh, you know, whether it's an actual book in my hand, I love feeling the pages or on my Kindle or something like that. But I feel like whenever I'm learning something new, like from a project perspective, like, oh, I want to know how Kubernetes works with this or whatever. I'm never really going to be looking at that in a book. I'm right. always going to be looking at that as like a video or something because, well, one, I wear glasses. So if I'm looking down at a book, it starts to hurt my eyes. And if I have to go back and forth. Second, I mean, it's I want to actually see it happening. You know, I, I guess another good option for that, too, is like have a Kindle book on, you know, the left side of your monitor and, right. you know, have the lab on the right side or something. I have a 49 inch widescreen, so I'm able to put, you know, right next to each other and kind of watch it or read it as I go along. But well, the correct number of screens is always more. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like memory in SQL Server. You can never have too much. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, especially for our work, right? Like, it's I know. just, you know, I, I could fill the, it's not like I ever look at the sc- a big pile of screen space and go, ah, it's really too much screen space. Like, that's not a thing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, uh, I actually used to have like six screens mm-hmm. and then I ended up upgrading to this like huge 49 inch wide screen and I was able to get away with a fruit or get rid of a few of them, you know, cause I had, you know, it's pretty much equals three 27 inch screens. Yeah, so it's, uh, that, pretty much 49. got myself covered. I have, yeah. I have the 43 inch 4K, which is a hundred nice. DPI 4K. So you don't have to scale it at all. Yeah. And that's the first screen where I'm like, those corners are a long way away. <laughs> <laughs> it, it hurts for, for, you know, the first week or two. Cause like you're like constantly yeah. moving your head back and yeah, forth. That and like, no oh, mouse pad is big enough, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give me the rollerball. <laughs> Uh, hey, Michael, so much fun to talk to you and some really interesting thoughts uh, around sort of evolving and, and improving yourself in your career. Uh, any last words, thing, places folks should be looking for more info? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to reach out to me, it's uh, on Twitter at the NJ DevOps guy uh, on LinkedIn, Michael Levan. Feel free to uh, reach out to me there. And, you know, of course, shameless plug cloudskills.io if you want any cloud native and DevOps training. Awesome. Michael Levan, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.